0: Hi there and welcome back to Amplify, the Digital Marketing Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm Bob Gentle and every week I'm joined by creators, consultants and practitioners who share what makes their business work. Whether you run your own business or you're just thinking of stepping out on your own for the first time, you're in the right place. If you're new to the podcast, then welcome along. Just take a second now to subscribe in your podcast player so you don't miss new weekly episodes and you can dig into some older ones when you finish this one. Welcome along again also to new Facebook group members, David and Soji. Don't forget to introduce yourself. And if you're new to the show, you will want to join our Facebook group. Just search Amplify Insiders on Facebook and you'll find us easily. This week, my guest is Claire Yosa. Now, Claire may not fit the profile of an obvious Amplify guest, but you'll very quickly find out why I wanted to have her on the show. And if you're one of the 95% that regularly encounter imposter syndrome, then get ready for some serious revelations so welcome along and let's meet claire so claire are welcome to the show um thanks so much for making the time for me
1: thank you bob it's lovely to be here
0: um i honestly with most guests i've got questions with you i have an absolute bucket of them but before i dive into that why don't we start with you just telling us a little bit about who you are where you are and the kind of work you do.
1: Yeah, well, I'm a reformed engineer. So I studied mechanical engineering because I wanted to know how car engines worked. I spent 10 years in the engineering industry specializing in lean manufacturing. And I was one of the first people in Europe to qualify in Six Sigma. And there came a point where I realized I was much more passionate about figuring out how people tick rather than engines. And I made the leap. I studied, I retrained, went traveling for a year, as you do, and I came back and was head of market research at Dyson for a while, setting up their basically their research function being that communicator between the engineers, the marketing teams, and the customers. Absolutely loved it, but the more I studied things like NLP and other modalities, I realized I wanted to make a bigger difference in the world than I could working for someone else. So in 2003, I Gave up a very good job, set up my own business, very steep learning curve. (laughs) And I, I specialized in leadership development for corporate companies, particularly working with their senior leaders who were struggling despite being outwardly successful. And I quickly realized they all had the same symptoms. And it took me about three years to realize it had a name and it was imposter syndrome. And that's really one of the things I've specialised in for the last 15 years. When I had my kids, I did less corporate work and worked much more with entrepreneurs in the online world, so I could juggle and balance that. And now I'm back to probably doing 75% working with corporate clients and business leaders and 25% working with people who are looking to change the world through their business.
0: Brilliant, that's a really great, succinct, recap of your career and to be honest I don't think people possibly realize how big a deal it was to leave Dyson when you did yeah because they were they were really the company to work for them
1: most definitely um- You know, and certainly at that point, I I was part of a key part of the USA launch. So it had just launched out there. Um, When you see things like the ball vac and the hand dryer, I was in the Monday morning meetings every week with James and his head engineer. And we would sit there and look at the design ideas from the previous week and decide what got to live for another week, (laughs) Um, which was thrilling. And, you know, it was really, really helpful. There was one point where James didn't want to hear what I was saying. And he and I ended up going head to head, having a row about torque curves on diesel engine fuel injection pumps. And (laughs) at that point, I think he realized that actually I was worth listening to. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it was a very dynamic business and setting up on my own. If I knew what I know now, I would have handled it very differently. But hey, it comes out in the wash and that was 16 years ago and I'm still going.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm glad you are. Because we're here today talking about imposter syndrome. Yeah. Um, And I think a lot of people listening to the podcast probably don't realize I get emails literally every single day saying, can I come on your podcast? I'm a coach. And there is a 95% failure rate on that. I don't Uh. really want to expose my audience (laughs) to coaches because they don't really need what most people Mm -hmm. have to offer. But if I look at where most people struggle, um, in terms of my audience, which is largely small and solo people working on the digital marketing mm. spectrum. Imposter syndrome is a universal problem.
1: Completely.
0: And it, it's an issue for me. It's a huge issue for me. Mm. Um, and you've just published a book. I
1: about have imposter and, syndrome. and an international research study that came out last month um, because there wasn't any in-depth UK-based research and culturally in the UK we do handle imposter syndrome different to, for example, people in the USA. Um, And I'm really glad you've raised the point, Bob, about how widespread this is. So I was giving a talk at the London branch of the Institute of Directors yesterday and one of the people I was on stage with came to see me in the coffee break and said, do you know what, every time I speak at an event like this I feel like an imposter I look at who else is on stage, there'll be a professor, there'll be a head of industry, there'll be a partner from a major consulting company. And I think, who am I to be here? They all know more than me. And I dread, he said, a little bit of me dies inside whenever I do an event like this, because I think this might be the time they find me out. Now here's the thing, I had watched him speak and thought he was confident and he inspired me. And he had this genius for taking a horrifically complex topic and making it so that people could understand and scribble notes that's always my sign with a speaker is people are scribbling notes and nodding their head but he was hiding imposter syndrome that meant every time he did something that was clearly within his zone of genius it came at a huge cost to him and you know obviously I did the the blue peter here's one I prepared earlier and he left with the book Um, and we're going to chat next week (laughs) but the thing is that nobody outside of his head would have had a clue. And we all think we're the only one that feels like this. And that means we beat ourselves up about the fact we're beating ourselves up.
0: I think another thing, because I've been thinking about this a lot, knowing that I was going to speak to you, is that the comfort zone and imposter syndrome have a Mm -hmm. lot in common. That... I remember when I first got into business, imposter syndrome was a big problem, mm. but then over time it kind of disappeared. But as soon as you try and reach up and reach out and do better or do bigger, it's right there back mm. again. And so you can think that it's gone, but all that's telling you is actually you've settled.
1: Yeah, that's definitely a very, very common trait. So I know from experience, I've, I've had to ditch imposter syndrome to be able to write a book with a title along those lines so that I could actually have some credibility. And what I find is the huge number of people when they hear about the book, they're like, well, what do you mean I can ditch it? This is like forever, isn't it? And actually all that happens is we develop new coping mechanisms that as you say, Bob, we stretch the comfort zone to the next level. Those coping strategies don't work anymore and imposter syndrome comes out to play again. When you've got to, when you've taken the time to clear out the triggers, to understand what it is that's causing imposter syndrome for you and you've really released that stuff it doesn't need to play a role anymore so for example I've been asked to do something that's a long way outside a comfort zone and I had an imposter syndrome thought oh my goodness who am I to do that because I know who else they've asked and oh yeah now when I was running imposter syndrome, that would have turned into a negative spiral. That would have caused me not to return the calls, not to reply to the emails, maybe even, this is big confession, so you're the only person that knows this, Bob, even to suggest somebody else who might be better. Convincing myself I'm doing them a favor, okay? What happened to me yesterday when those thoughts came up was I immediately went, oh yeah, that's an imposter syndrome thought. Okay, so what does this thought want me to know? And actually, They've asked me to do this specific area, which I'm more than qualified to do. And I know that I can really fulfill what they're asking. And it's great because there is gonna be somebody that knows a lot more about the adjacent area than me. And I think I might learn something.
0: I like that idea of what does this thought want me to know? Mm. That's, that's quite a neat way of looking at it.
1: Yeah, so I didn't need to go through that whole involuntary imposter syndrome response. I caught the thought and went, yeah, it's an imposter syndrome thought. What's the message?
0: I think there. I, I think about introverts and extroverts quite a mm. lot, and I know that's a very, very simplistic way of mm. breaking people down, because I know some very confident, outgoing people who would sort of self-describe as introverts, um, and I think you're not an introvert, and I've been thinking about that a lot recently. And <laughs> um, what I realize is, introvert does not equal shy.
1: <laughs> Absolutely um, not. <laughs> I'm so, one of the biggest introverts I know. Okay. Yeah, but you're not a shy person. No, absolutely not. So I adore meeting people. I adore finding out how they tick. Um, you know, yesterday when they say, right, Claire, it's time to mic you up. I'm like, Woo, I get to go back on stage. I get to go and see those light bulbs. I get to see those heads nodding. I adore that. But you make me stay for coffee afterwards and I want to hide under a table because right. I've, I have a certain amount of people energy that I can use each day yeah and when that amount is used up i have my emergency reserves and when they're used up i get a three-day migraine okay so i have to recharge my batteries at home in quiet with a good book my family's allowed to say hello but multi-day conferences i have to build up my people energy by having no people stuff in my in my diary for three days before and three days afterwards. That's how strong an introvert I am. And going out and doing that socialising at these events. Once I'm there, I love it, but it comes at a cost. I would much rather be back in my hotel room with room service, reading a decent book or listening to an audio book to top up those batteries. So what I do now is I am actually really upfront with people. At big events like that. And I'll actually say, you know what, this lunch break, I'm actually gonna go and hide in my room for half an hour and top up my people batteries. And what I find is people going, oh God, yeah, that's, that's a really good idea. I need to do that too.
0: Yeah, I think that's something that, that I do quite often is mm. sort of dip in and out of crowds. Yeah. I think somewhere I would like to go with you, if mm. I may, is when you're in sort of large crowds of people, and especially if you're speaking, imposter mm. syndrome will, ring the bell really loud, Mm -hmm. but where I think it probably holds back a lot of my audience is when it comes to content marketing, Okay. because if you want to build a strong personal brand that asks of you to be. To present as an extrovert, Mm -hmm. really. Um, So when it comes to things like video marketing in particular, imposter syndrome will always come knocking. now, I noticed in your book, and obviously I haven't read it yet, I'm going to put my hand up because it's literally brand new.
1: Oh, how exciting. Thank you.
0: I, ha- I haven't read it yet, but I will. But you you speak about the five strategies. Mm-hmm. Are you able to sort of unpack that a little bit for me? Obviously not giving away the whole game.
1: Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So over the last 15 years, I've obviously developed processes that help my clients and you don't want to reinvent the wheel each time and i realized they fit really well into a five-step process and the first of those five steps is actually about that awareness of this is imposter syndrome you know, this is more than self-doubt this goes down to the identity level this is about who i see myself as being and i call it the imposter syndrome gap it's that gap between who you think you are and who you think you need to be in order to create or achieve something So step one is about realizing it is imposter syndrome. I'm running it. So I talk about running it, not having it. Because if you have it, it means you might want to hold on to it. If you're running it, it is literally just a pattern in your thoughts that triggers responses. And then it's clearing out the myths that keep us stuck. You know, like it's inevitable, it's incurable. It's a sign that I'm a high achiever. It's I need that fear to perform and starting to imagine life without it. So the whole of step one when I'm working with someone is about how will life be when you no longer run imposter syndrome? Because if you can imagine it, you can create it, but your mind won't let you make a change that it believes is impossible. And then the second step is taming your inner critic because imposter syndrome is always triggered by a thought. So I teach people how to press pause on that inner critic so they can actually choose which thoughts to feed and start rewiring their neurology so those autopilot responses stand down. Then we look at the limiting beliefs and the blocks and the fears and the excuses and clear those out in step three. And this is where most people stop on their personal development work, which is why imposter syndrome comes back to bite you on the backside. When, as you've described, Bob, you stretch your comfort zone or you go into a situation that's highly stressful. So we move into step four, which is where you actually go that layer deeper and look at which are the masks I've put on to hide, to protect myself, to pretend to be somebody I'm not. Where am I being less than who I really am? And where am I actually shutting down and shutting people out? And you clear things out at that layer. And then that leaves people feeling pretty good, but I like to take people to great. So step five is looking at how can I become the leader I was born to be? How can I be truly resilient to life's knocks rather than that kind of bounce back resilience? So you become more immune to other people's behavior and opinions. How can I express the mission that I have, the reason I'm running my business or running my career? How can I express that more fully through the work that I'm doing in a way that you actually feel semi-invincible? and you really get to show up with that true, deep confidence that gives others permission to trust you and feel confident in themselves too.
0: I think what you've done there is really distill a simple, easy to understand, easy to follow process. Uh, Honestly, I think there are probably lots of other books written about imposter syndrome and I think probably the whole book would have been taken up by trying to explain those five steps (laughs) as you've done. (laughs) um that's a really really neat easy to imagine Mm um effective sounding because obviously i haven't done it (laughs) process i'm quite excited by that i will read the book now
1: i can't Um, wait actually when we meet up soon you'll have to let me know which light bulbs you've got and and also when we read a book Because a book is designed to be what I call pajama ready, so it needs to work for somebody at 11 o'clock at night after a long day with a cup of cocoa in their PJs rather than with the author there explaining things. There'll be bits in the book that you'll already know and there'll be bits in the book that you might find yourself resisting. And what I've found, I mean, this is my eighth book, what I've found over the years is the bits we resist are actually where the gems are. So if there's an exercise that we're like, oh, I don't want to do that one, I'll just skip it. That's probably the exercise that will create a breakthrough for you.
0: Yeah, I can see that. And I, I see that quite often in books that there's bits that I avoid because they sound like a lot of work. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you're absolutely right. And I think for, for so many people, this is such an important breakthrough because success, the success that you really imagine you want, it mm. always lies outside the comfort zone. And getting there, the, the imposter syndrome is such a standard barrier mm. that if you can, if you can break it down or not even break it down, just understand it and work mm. through it.
1: You set yourself success free so bit by easy. bit. Yeah. Absolutely. So the research study I've just done, it showed heartbreaking levels of imposter syndrome amongst entrepreneurs. So those who said they were struggling daily or regularly with imposter syndrome and that it was directly affecting their business was 82%. So yeah, 82% that's... and as you've described Bob as you get more confident in your business more established and your income's more regular and you've got your processes in place it can go down and then it meets the general level for the population which was around 50%. But entrepreneurs struggle more with imposter syndrome than any other sector of the population, and what people described is it was things like not returning that call, um, leaving it slightly too late to pitch, not going for that PR opportunity, discounting your prices without being asked, not having clear client boundaries, over giving too much free stuff and wondering why people don't want to pay. There's a classic model I discovered through the research that helps you spot if you're running imposter syndrome. Would you like me just to whiz through that? Please do. Okay. It's really easy to remember. It's called the four P's of imposter syndrome. So the first one is perfectionism, which we all know it's the, oh my goodness, that was a brilliant one hour webinar I just did, but there was a typo on slide 34 and somebody just pointed it out to me, therefore I'm not good enough. Yeah. Yeah. So P for perfectionism. The next one is procrastination, which is entrepreneurs, because we don't have a CEO, we indulge that at double the rate of the general population. Yeah, And if you're looking at things like content marketing, then of course social media can become a wonderful place to procrastinate because we convince ourselves we're adding value and it's important and we've got to be there. And we can also procrastinate by creating content that doesn't actually allow us to move somebody forward in the sales process. Yeah. yeah. So this is another form of procrastination is we, we fill our time with busyness and then we're exhausted and overwhelmed because that stress response from imposter syndrome is making us subconsciously self-sabotage. So that second P is procrastination. I, I've got that T-shirt, yeah. <laughs>
0: I think there are people around the world with headphones in silently <laughs> cold sweating.
1: And, and it's great. When you, when you know you're running these patterns, what's brilliant is you can call yourself out and go, ah, oh, that was imposter syndrome. And I'll make sure I give everybody my ABC technique before we finish, Bob, so that they've got something they can do with it. Um, the third P is paralysis. So paralysis is where you hide from a task for as long as you can, it drops off your to do list every day. You start feeling more and more guilty, and it's you know, you come out in that cold sweat when you think about it. And then you use the adrenaline rush and the fear of a deadline to force your way through it and end up pulling an all nighter. Yeah,
0: I literally have my head in my hands now. You can stop talking. <laughs>
1: this is cool. And the final one, which is a really big one for entrepreneurs, is people pleasing. So, this is another stress response. So, it's autonomic, which means that it happens without our control we it happens and we can stop it but it's not something we think hey i'm going to people please to feel better in the entrepreneurial world that is the discounting that is the overgiving that is too many freebies that is the wanting to be nice volunteering you know all of the things that we do that actually a lot of gurus tell us we have to do but they're forgetting that it works for them because they've already got food in the fridge and if we're still at the food in the fridge and shoes on the kids stage, we actually need to top up our own financial batteries before we get super, super generous with our tribe. So those are the four Ps.
0: Wow. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: I have a lot to think about.
1: <laughs> and with all of these, the little trick you can use, if you catch yourself doing the perfectionism, the procrastination, the paralysis, the people pleasing, is you just ask yourself, what's my intention behind taking this action? And then ask your body, not your mind for the answer. So this is a really important technique. Our thoughts affect the biochemistry in the body that also then triggers our emotions and they then feed the thoughts. If you ask the body, what's my intention? The body will either relax or contract. And if you feel the body flinching trying to get smaller or the stomach clenching or your jaw clenching or your eyes tightening it means that your intention behind that action is fear-based if it relaxes your intention behind that action is actually healthy and positive positive. and then you can just ask yourself so okay what is it i'm scared of That's making me do this behavior. And that awareness, whatever the answer is, and it might sound totally crazy, meet that need in a healthier way, and you don't need imposter syndrome.
0: I think I have some notes here that I made before we started speaking. Mm. And I had the word introvert and Uh, imposter syndrome, but I also had the words shyness, vanity, selfishness, and narcissism.
1: I hope they weren't my characteristics. No, not at all.
0: But these are some of the things that I thought were going on that would play alongside imposter syndrome. Yeah. But actually they're all wrapped up together. They are. And you've you've put that together so well.
1: Thank you. And well, you know, shyness it, it can be a lack of confidence. It can also be we just need to interact with people in a different way to the norms. Yeah. And vanity, this is a really good one. I'm glad you've raised it because a lot of people say they need to hold on to imposter syndrome because it keeps them humble. And actually what keeps us humble is being a decent human being with good levels of self-awareness, yeah? We don't need something that causes us massive pain and causes us to self-sabotage our dreams to keep us humble. That's something that is independent of that.
0: Yeah, and actually, people don't like breaking through. It's painful, it's challenging. It's Mm. much easier to just sit with your imposter syndrome and settle.
1: Absolutely, but you see, the thing is, I often have chats with the 80-year-old me Okay. And if I've got to make a big decision, I'll go and have a chat with the me on my 80th birthday and just ask her. I know that sounds crazy, but it's a really good technique. It's just imagining you're at that birthday party surrounded by your loved ones. You've just set off the fire alarms with the candles in the restaurant. And you just ask that 80 year old you, what advice would you give me right now? You know, which of these options do I need to choose? Actually, do they make any difference? And by taking that perspective, so anybody listening to this in their 80s, pick whatever age you want to be on now. But having that perspective, that benefit of decades of hindsight, takes us out of the emotional turmoil and it gives us a level of clarity that means we can see what's driving the games we play and the mind stories that we're telling ourselves. So it might be that we're using shyness to protect ourselves. Great, so what do I need to shift about how I see myself as being or who? how i want to show up in public that allows me to still feel safe but to be able to connect with people more deeply does it mean at a conference that i need to be the person in the side room rather than in the main coffee room having deeper conversations for example yeah does it mean i need to find out who's going to be there in advance and connect with them and get to know them and have this mental list of right here are 10 people i want to have a cup of tea with by the end of this conference and anybody else is a bonus So that perspective can really help us with that, to set ourselves free from those stress response behaviors.
0: That's really, really helpful. I think where I'd I'd like to pivot a little bit now Mm. because you're not sort of, uh, you don't typically work on the digital marketing spectrum, but you actually do. Mm. So what I'd like to do now is just unpack, this is often sounds rude, I'd like to unpack your back end. Because you've written a book yeah, and a book is often sitting at the the tip of the iceberg mm. of, of a business and the, the tip of the spear, if you like. And I'm curious to know, obviously, for anybody listening, they may want to engage with your ecosystem in mm. one way or another, but I have two questions. I would like to understand the process of writing a, your book okay. because you've done this a few times now, Yeah, but also, how are you planning in advance what the business that's going to wrap around that looks like?
1: I'm so glad you've raised that because what normally happens is I will come across an entrepreneur going, I'm three quarters of the way through my book. Tell me how I have a really successful launch. And I always upset them a bit saying, congratulations and well done. And that shows real dedication. You're an action taker. You actually need to start your launch planning before you start writing. Right. And that is not a time thing. That is because the very first stage is writing the book that your dream reader is hungry to read rather than the one you want to write. And there will be a number of books that fall into that category. So your next step is to look at, well, which of those books is going to get somebody, my perfect client, ready to work with me? So one of my drivers between ditching, behind Ditching Imposter Syndrome as a book was I wanted to give people something self-contained that if they're motivated and they like to take action, and frankly sitting at home and reading is their preferred way of learning and changing their life, that is complete in and of itself that will do what they need it to do. Even though it's giving away a lot of my trade secrets, I wanted to give them something complete the other thing I wanted it to do is I love working with people on that leadership. What is the change they're here to make in the world? Those passionate world changes. So one of the biggest blocks my clients face is imposter syndrome. If I can get them clearing out imposter syndrome, imagine how much more progress we can make when we work together. So this was really how I decided which book to write and also where to finish it. Because I've published two novels in addition to my non-fiction books. And what they taught me is any story, any journey, has a, it doesn't have a start and an end point other than that which the author chooses. So when you're writing a nonfiction book, you do have to decide where does my reader start? Where do I want them to finish? And then I use my background as an NLP trainer and in lean manufacturing to work out the key steps they need to go through. What are the mini transformations at each stage so that that inner genius I normally share becomes pajama-ready, so they will still get the results, even if they're at home on their own, without me on the phone to answer questions. So that's how I write my books. How it fits in my ecosystem is, I also run a 90-day online course for Ditching Imposter Syndrome because some people need that accountability. It's got a Facebook group, we are monthly live calls. It's a mixture of video training and workbooks and audios and meditations. And some people learn better that way. They know that they'll buy a book, they might read the first chapter and then it just sits there gathering dust. I work with business leaders one-to-one I run workshops both in-house for corporates and also that the public can join. I talk internationally because as you've probably guessed, I quite like talking. I like listening, (laughs) but I quite enjoy talking and sharing these ideas. And this is kind of my ecosystem. And also once a year, I take a group of entrepreneurs through my author mastermind to help them get their book out there so they can change the world with their book too.
0: And expanding on my question a little bit, Mm. I'm curious to know in terms of revenue. I'm not going to ask you for any numbers, (laughs) but I'm curious to know what the breakdown is between the consulting in person revenue and the online revenue
1: now it changes every year because it depends what my focus has been you know where you put your attention is where you get your results so this year i've been shifting more back into the corporate field but the timeline for corporate decisions is much slower so that revenue actually won't come until next year so next year the corporate revenue will be higher but the time i spend in my online stuff and working with entrepreneurs won't be vastly different this year i've done a lot more of the online work um and also i've had to take the time out to write a book so i've had to scale back a lot of the one-to-one higher ticket stuff i was doing because it does take time to write a good book you can't just bang it out through dictation over a weekend
0: no it sounds like a lovely idea i think it's also very very difficult to delegate yes Yes. (laughs) (laughs) so looking ahead then What's next? You've published the book and the study. Mm. Where do you want to go next?
1: So I have a really, really big mission where I want to go next is I, having done the research, I've always been passionate about gender pay gap and gender equality in senior roles and everybody feeling safe to make the contribution they want to make, be it in somebody else's business or their own. My mission next year is actually to launch a community for senior female leaders where we're going to help them get promoted into the most senior roles and they can start creating a wave of change within their business because this gender pay gap the research showed three key drivers one was imposter syndrome one is the lack of flexible working and the horrendous hours and travel that most people are required to do in leadership roles and the third was too many companies having a layer beyond which you have to behave like a man in order to succeed. So my longer term mission is actually to work with these women so that they can become those change agents in their business so that in 10 years time, our daughters don't even have to think about this.
0: I think that's that's really, really interesting. What was struck me there is the two things, they really come down to policy, mm. but you can't, have a policy for your head. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, your your work there is so, so valid and needed.
1: Thank you. Well, my my big thing is changing the world isn't so much about what you do. It's about who you allow yourself to become. And that fits so well with the imposter syndrome. When you allow yourself to become the version of you that's going to go out there and take the action, even if it's scary to make that change, the change happens. If you have that vision, but you don't allow yourself to grow into fulfilling it, your unconscious mind will find ways to self-sabotage it for you. So my passion on this is to help these women become who they need to be to create that wave of change.
0: You've been really generous with your time and absolutely with your knowledge and experience. If people want to connect with you, how would you like them to do that?
1: So LinkedIn is a great place to hang out and My website is claireyosa.com. And yeah, it's been really lovely talking with you, Bob. You ask great questions. And I always love it in an interview when I feel that between us, we co-create something better than would have happened had it just been me sat there with a microphone. So I'm really grateful to you for that, Bob. And yeah, thank you everyone who's been listening. I really hope this has helped. Really quickly, I promised you the ABC technique. It's an emergency quick fix, okay. Imposter syndrome thought comes and rears its ugly head, okay? The body tenses, you start feeling those emotions welling up. A stands for accept. Accept, that was an imposter syndrome thought. Don't engage, don't try and get rid, don't push it down, just accept. That instantly takes you to a place where you get a pause. Then you breathe, okay? Sighing breaths work really well in through the nose, just allowing the nervous system, that stress response, to reset. So three deep sighing breaths and then just some belly breathing for about a minute. That resets the stress response, calms the mind. So you've got accept, breathe, and C stands for choose. Consciously choose to think a thought and tell yourself a story about something you are doing well. Be specific, it can be tiny, it doesn't matter. What that does is it starts to fire off the positive emotion hormones and biochemical reactions it gives you an endorphin hit and in that way in 60 seconds you've gone from what could have been a sabotaging attack of imposter syndrome to boosting your confidence and you are rewiring your brain to turn your inner critic into your biggest cheerleader
0: i think we all need a bit of first aid definitely <laughs> so that's i i will be using that probably today
1: <laughs> thank you bob do you report back
0: <laughs> i will claire josa Thank you very much for your time. I look forward to meeting you in person next month. But For now, thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Bob. It's been an absolute pleasure.
0: Imposter syndrome is something I've experienced at every stage of my own career, and I honestly believe if you're not coming face to face with it on a semi-regular basis, frankly, you're probably not testing your comfort zone enough. I've ordered a book and I can't wait to get stuck in. Before I go, just a quick reminder to subscribe. And if you haven't already, join our Facebook group. You can find a link in the show notes or just search Amplify Insiders in Facebook and you'll find us easily. If you enjoyed the show, then I would love for you to review on iTunes. It would mean a lot to me and it's the very best way to help me reach more subscribers. My name's Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Claire Yosa for giving us her time this week and to you for listening. And see you next week.